On today's episode, Running From Injury with Peter Francis. Welcome to the Run Smarter podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. today is with Peter Francis. He has a book out. He self-published this book called Running From Injury, Why Runners Get Injured and How to Stop It. And I just thought rather than um, talking about certain concepts of the book, oh, we do that anyway, but mainly just telling his story, telling him like how he first delved into running, uh, the mistakes he made in the past, the injuries he had. Uh, and you'll, you'll come to know through, with Peter, there, there was a lot of injuries throughout his um, career and he's managed to turn it all around. He's managed to learn from his mistakes. He's managed to implement some really smart strategies and um, kind of discover certain running concepts and particularly around having this um, this internal reference point he talks about in this conversation as well, which is something that I hadn't really thought of in a way of an actual concept, but makes so much sense when he talks about it. And I guess it's um, something that would resonate with you as well. And so we talk about all those sort of things, hopefully similar to like a success story that we have, we'll um, be learning through his journey, learning through his mistakes and what he's um, found a lot of success with. And as you'll see throughout this interview, he's had a ton of success in terms of his running career, had these really dull moments of feeling like, you know, maybe running isn't for him, um, just, you know, injury after injury, and then eventually turning it around. And uh, it was great having Peter on. So hopefully enjoy. I'll, I'll have all the links um, to the book and things in the show notes. And um, I'll be putting together your Q&As for the next couple of episodes. I uh, last week put on social media on Facebook and Instagram if you had any questions for me. And there's been a ton of responses. So I'm sifting through those at the moment. Obviously, the, the patrons get a bit of a priority when it comes to answering the questions on the Q&As. Um, <clears throat> might split them up into two episodes like I have in the past with the, the volume of questions that do come in. And they're very insightful as well. That's why I keep them in there and just want to answer as many as I possibly can. But uh, we'll be doing that over the next couple episodes. So I look forward to putting it all together, putting together some answers and um, seeing what we come up with. Okay, Run Smarter Scholars, I hope you enjoy. Let's get on with the interview. Peter Francis, welcome to the Run Smarter podcast. Thanks, Brody. It's good to be here. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to diving into today's topic. Um, thanks for reaching out. I had a look through the book. It's like 
it looks really, really interesting. A lot of the lessons that follow along with the, the lessons of the podcast. Um, but before we dive into the content, do you want to just give us an intro about yourself, where you're from and how your running journey started? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm from a place called Waterford in the southeast of Ireland, um, where I began running when I was 15 years of age. Um, I became fascinated by how it changed my body and my mind and and just everything. And I, I, I decided to study sports science as a result of that. And um, yeah, I, I was originally fascinated by performance and, and how, how things could change by, by training. I think transformation was something that fascinated me was was the fact that you could you could change something just by, applying yourself um but by the time i reached university i'd started to pick up injuries and um i only ran for the university on the track i think once uh in the, in the whole time i was there and so i started on a pathway of being a coach and um i did another uh, science degree in physical therapy i did a phd i did lots of other stuff but not very much running for 10 years and um eventually i was working on a training camp um and i i i started to be able to help other runners and even though i'd kind of given up on running myself i i just thought oh maybe i can have one more one more shot at this um maybe i know enough now from a from a holistic zoomed out perspective to be able to put something together that works for me and i did and i ran for three years and um I broke all my times and, and that and and I suppose the, the success of the of the journey was that I, I stopped running because I wanted to um so my, my body was probably the best that it had ever been when I when I finished. Um competing, I mean, I still run now, but uh that, that kind of more serious um aspect. So that's kind of the, the whistle stop uh, tour. Nice. And so Back in the early days when you said that you started running and you started developing a lot of injuries and it sort of hindered your progress into like a running career, looking back on it now and knowing the knowledge that you have, have you identified any like hurdles, any setbacks, any potential like training errors or maybe beliefs that you might have had that, that hindered you or maybe led to a lot of those injuries? Well, yeah, I mean... I think I mentioned in the first chapter of the book that I started at 15 uh, years of age and before I reached 17, I'd already hit 70 miles in a week, um, which uh, was just uh, way too high a volume too quickly. Um, and so the belief, I guess, is that more is better, that, um, you know, higher volume will will deliver. And I think the reason that belief gets entrenched, apart from the fact that it, it can be a norm in endurance sports, is initially you do run well from it, and that's what gets you. So I produced a lot of, you know, decent runs very, very quickly, um, which meant I then associated that type of training with success, which meant I spent a lot of years trying to get back to that because I associated it with success. So uh, it's kind of, um, yeah, once you're in there, it's hard to get out, you know. 
Absolutely. Especially if you see like success and you see how fast you can get. I think looking back on my, when I very first started running, I think I ramped up my mileage a little bit too quickly. Like I ran a marathon within the first 10 months of me, like being a runner. And uh, I agree. I think the, the amount of mileage, the amount of ramp up that I did, I found success. I was injured here and there throughout that process, but I managed to get to the the marathon and um, like, I guess the um, competing in it or at least participating in it, I, I found it was a success. And so um, a lot of people have this, oh, back then I used to run this amount of mileage or back then I used to run this many times a day or I used to run this fast. And it's uh, people can get away with a lot of things when they're young. I think they can absorb and handle a lot of loads in their younger days. And a lot of people say they get into their 30s and then they get into their 40s and they want to try and chase the mileage and speeds and pace that they once did in their 20s and 30s. Um, I don't think that it's very realistic to have that um, which is, is this what you kind of refer to when you talk about your reference point? Um, you mentioned that kind of concept in the book, um, how a certain runner might have a reference point. Do you want to maybe delve a little bit more into that and what, what you mean by that? Yeah. So a reference point is a marker of you in your, in your past and it can be a training volume, it can be a personal best, it can be any any reference that gives you a, a flag in the sand of what you were able to do before. Um, now, it can also be other runners and uh, members of your training groups, and they're, they're what I call external reference points. So there's there's yourself, which, which, which is actually the worst one, to be honest. Uh, people talk about, you know, don't compare yourself to other people and that, and that's true, but for a runner, I, their own worst enemy is is whatever they've done themselves i feel um and yeah as you get older i mean what what runners should realize is that although you you can't maybe hit the same training strategy uh you can perform much better uh because you can use your head um to to, to be clever and to be consistent and then when you're consistent your performance uh, changes, you know, unbelievably. It's amazing how little has to be done, um, provided it's done all the time. And and the, the, the trouble with the old reference point is it's uh, you're bouncing up and down. You're chasing a, a marker. You're getting injured, so you've got no consistency. So you just you just hopping up and down in the same in the same cycle, really. Um, so yeah, letting go of old reference points is the first step to making progress. So what, what you're saying is like you're looking back on yourself, your past achievements, your past weekly mileage, what you used to do, and maybe that reference point you're constantly trying to get back to, whereas in fact you probably not – it's probably worth your time not focusing on the past and maybe just focusing on what you're – current capacity is and like what how you can train smarter moving forward to like get better times than what you currently have is that sort of how you're framing a bit of a an action step or some takeaways from that concept yeah because i think um a lot of this is subconscious so like you know mm -hmm. you won't you won't like you won't necessarily be sitting there 
you know, with your training diary from 10 years ago, you know, but there's a, there's always an underlying current drawing you back towards somewhere, you know, so in my case, 70 miles was, you know, kind of a magical figure. So your mind is, if, if you run, for example, if you have a really good week's training and you run 50 miles, your mind still knows that, you know, you did 70 before or, or, or something like that. So yeah, the takeaway point from it is accepting where you are right now um, and then with a realistic appraisal of where you are right now, um, making a deal with yourself that you will you will stay there for, for six or eight weeks um, and you won't just turn up the dial as soon as you, you feel good in, in, a, in a training week. And then when you get that six or eight weeks done, you're already more consistent, your fitness is improving, um, you can start to to do a little bit more, but again, it needs to be um, slow and slow and steady. So yeah, accepting where you are right now and then moving forward. It's amazing how many of these things are actually just universal truths in your life, you know, uh, like uh, everything else is, is similar, you know, you can compare yourself to the past in so many different ways but the only way you're moving forward is to get right into the into the present moment, you know, so it's kind of a, like a yoga, you know. Med- just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes. So fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow meditation type philosophy but it doesn't matter what you're trying to do that's that's where you got to be is is where you are right now you know i think you can shed light on like when and when a runner is injured as well and trying to get back to where they ran like pre-injury they're sort of having that as a reference point as well it might not be you know, just a runner, not injured and looking back five years, 10 years ago and look at having those as a reference point, but it might even be five weeks ago when you weren't injured and you're struggling to achieve those current or those pre-injury volumes. And that's sort of hindering you as well because you're returning too quickly. You had this sort of reference point. I like how you um, phrase that it might just be just an unconscious perception of yourself that you are that runner who has that certain mileage or has those PBs. And so your training intensities, your training volumes are just slightly unconsciously tending towards what that image of yourself you've created. Um, I really like that. I'm curious with your injuries, with your injury history, what was the first major injury that you had that really derailed your training or your progression can can you remember and did you get like a a proper diagnosis okay well i can remember my first injury uh and i i would say my parents can also remember my first injury um (laughs) because i'd never been injured before i was i was 16 maybe and uh i did a big track session uh lots of 400s maybe 20 and I came home and I was uh, cutting timber and, and throwing it into a shed and uh, I got this pain in my back and um, yeah, I was out for three weeks with what in hindsight was was just a, a muscle spasm really um, and it wasn't, I don't classify that as my first 
it might sound strange, but I don't classify that as my first real running injury that started that cycle of, of injuries. I think it was one of those things where it probably just wasn't the smartest thing to do. But I do remember the withdrawal from from running. I do remember being like a bear with a sore head uh, because this this teenage me is on this what I didn't understand at the time is drug of of endorphins and running and you know feeling great all the time and then all of a sudden you know the switch is turned off so I remember that but the first the first injury that was was really volume related and sort of started off a trend of 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 10 years worth was was probably um shin splints or, or medial tibial stress syndrome um that that was that was the first one uh, and that actually occurred after uh being out with a kind of a, a virus um and a chest infection which which also came from uh high volume training so what happened was because of the viruses and chest infections i couldn't train as hard and then when i when i got rid of those and I came back training, I picked up the shins and it just went on from there. It just went on from there. Um, IT band syndrome, um, plantar fasciitis, Achilles tendinopathy, you know, most of the, most of the common running injuries. Because you've had such, well, so many injuries, I guess you could say, um, looking on the, the evidence, if, so, if you were to try and find a common denominator for someone to increase their risk of injury, people would be surprised because it's not like their weekly volume. It's not how experienced someone is. It's not how strong they are or how flexible or mobile they are. Um, the evidence, if there is anything, it tends to be people who have had injuries in the past. Like the more injuries you've had in the past increases your likelihood of developing an injury in the future. And have you seen that? Have you seen like once one injury happens, it tends to kind of spiral a whole bunch of different injuries as well. Um, have you seen that throughout your career? Yeah, but I think I think the reasons for that is um, probably the cycle that it induces. So again, if you're injured, you're not using your body very much, which means every time you come back from injury, you have to go undergo that rapid change in, in loading unless you're really skilled. So I think that's that's part of it. Um, then there's another factor, which is you get one injury, it's okay. You get two injuries, maybe it's okay. By the third injury, you're starting to develop a narrative about you being an injury-prone runner, um, which is lethal uh, in terms of the cycle because you start to expect injuries, uh, you start to behave in a more cautious way to try and avoid them, which means you're not using your body fully. And then, you know, uh, a, a big issue really is is the medical uh, profession, which, which I'm part of and which I, I teach graduates and, and so on, is um, the use of language uh, in terms of what you're told when you visit a therapist um, and that lasts a lifetime unless unless you're fortunate enough which which I was to receive an education whereby 
I could figure out that most of that stuff wasn't true and actually, um, you know, again, get rid of that reference point and, um, and start again. Um, so I think there's a lot of factors that, that build up over time. You're yo-yoing up and down with your training load. You're picking up more injuries, which is knocking your confidence. You're behaving more cautiously. You've got therapists telling you stuff. And uh, over time, you really kind of just seize up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You set yourself a new narrative and you start to believe it. I wish you could see what I was writing down on this piece of paper when you were talking, because as soon as you mentioned once someone has two, three injuries, they start to develop this narrative they give to themselves, which is like maybe an injury prone narrative. And as soon as you said that, I wrote down on my paper, like PT, like health professionals, and they help create those beliefs as well. Because if someone heads to a health professional and they're a runner, they sit down, they tell them I've had several injuries in the past 12 months, straight away that that health professional or that physio is going to try and look for an answer. They want to try to help the person as best they can. They want to try and find the answer that's going to help them feel better and help them get back to pain-free running. And so they find things like leg length discrepancies. They find things like pronation. They find things like tightness or maybe some weakness here and there. And then they point this to them and say, you know, you over pronate or you have one leg longer than the other. This is the cause of all your injuries. And so that narrative can slowly start to shift. And that's that narrative of being injury prone then is confirmed in their mind. And they have all this other evidence to back up why they're so injury prone. But I've done episodes on these in the past. So people who are familiar with like the, the myth around leg length discrepancy and all those sort of things, um, are well aware, but it helps solidify a lot of those unhelpful, often untrue narratives that people give themselves. So it's really important that we have a talk about those sort of things. It's a very common discussion and um, it's it's best that we reframe our circumstances and we change our circumstances to more empowering, more positive, more optimistic sort of outcomes. That's really nice. Um, I do have one other kind of pessimistic question before we start to move into the good stuff. Uh, I wanted to find, I wanted to get an idea around when physically as well as mentally was kind of like your lowest point throughout this. And because, you know, you've managed to turn things around and to be quite positive moving forward, but you know, most people have a, a low point and I think a lot of listeners listening to this episode can kind of learn from the low points. So when exactly was that? What what injury or what several injuries happened and um, what caused them in the first place? Um, it's a question I've never been asked, but um, yeah, I, I, you know what, there, I would be lying if I said there was one. Um, there was quite a few times where you know, I was crushed by it. Um, you know, I remember, um, you know, I remember discovering strength and conditioning in sort of 2008, 2009, uh, maybe running 20 plus weeks, getting that hope uh, right up there. And my food and everything, my strength and conditioning, all of it going well. And then <clears throat> boom get injured again. I remember 2010, 2011, maybe 40 weeks. 
um, really, really fit, uh, doing a track session and then, and then limping off with the pain in my foot afterwards. Um, I remember, um, having plantar fasciitis, trying to run through it and then one day just, just stopping in the middle of a field and, and walking off. Um, I remember, I remember I've been fit enough to, to justify going on a training camp in maybe 2013, um, to Portugal, uh, been really fit, picking up a, a kind of a glute, a glute strain in the, in the first three days of the camp and then been injured for the rest of it, coming back, starting to run again and twigging my Achilles, which set, which set off a five year Achilles pain. Um, so I remember a lot of, a lot of tough, um, times and the consequence of those tough times was, even though I didn't realize it at the time was I, although I would make comebacks, I started to invest a bit less, uh, each time because then I would try and it would help me not be as disappointed. So I, I kind of. You know, when you're in a good space and you're doing your, you know, you're doing your bit of yoga and you're sleeping well and eating well and training well. And, you know, um, I started to skim on those things thinking I'll come back, but I won't try too much. Um, so that will that will help with the disappointment. But um, yeah, there was a lot of those there was a lot of those kind of limping off the track, the road, the field. Uh, moments and for a lot of years I didn't have the coping skills to know what to do or, or how it was what was happening um, and so I would I suppose I would sulk you know I would I would eat takeaway foods and I would just you know go out on the weekend and have beers and just it I would disengage for too long and then eventually when I would miss it enough, I would start my rehab. And I think a big, a big transition the second time around was, uh, firstly, I was no longer a runner. I was an athlete, which meant even when I couldn't run, I was still training hard. Uh, secondly, I could completely shorten the time from, from an interruption to, to beginning the path I needed to go on to get better. So, I could I could pick up a niggle in the morning and I'd be on rehab that evening, you know. So, um, so there's a huge uh, number of disappointments, painful moments, experiences, uh, and so a reframing of of a runner to an athlete, and then an ability to shorten the time between an interruption and and a positive response um, was probably was probably the big change. Speaking of like narratives and beliefs, when you did go through those fluctuations, like you had 20 good weeks and then an injury, and then you had 40 good weeks feeling really fit and then an injury. Did you start to have any of those false narratives, any of those like beliefs that hindered your recovery or hindered you as, as an athlete? Did, did any of those start to creep in? Well, yeah, because you start to say, well, it's the same old story. So you start just 
yeah, you know, typical. This is what always happens. Um, all of that. I mean, the other thing I'd say about the forty weeks was, um, there was another lesson there that time in that I was exceptionally fit. However, I was also doing a PhD full time and. I was also the athletics coach at the university and I had too much on, uh, so I didn't have enough headspace. So I think when I got injured that time, it was a bit of a relief because I was under so much pressure that it almost wasn't suiting me to, to be running as well as I was, uh, which is crazy, but, uh, yeah. So, you know, that's another concept is is making time and space to be able to enjoy your running um, and enjoy the process and then all the good stuff happens, you know. I think most people don't in like take a chance to enjoy the moment. I think they they see themselves like where they want to be and they'll be happy once they get there, but they're never happy with their current circumstances. Like... If someone, I'm just picturing a runner who's running, say, 10 10Ks per week, but they want to be running 20Ks per week. And so they're not currently happy. And they say, once I'm running 20Ks a week, then I'll be happy or then I'll start to enjoy it. That's when I'll be a lot more free. I'll be a lot more confident. I'll be a lot more resilient as a runner. And then when they get to that, they've got this new like carrot that's in front of them. Whereas as soon as they're injured, like if the next week, if they're injured, they would give anything to get back to 10 Ks per week of pain-free running. Like they just wish they could get there. And so it's a constant, like just not taking in the moment, like not appreciating, not being grateful of like the current things that they have capacity to do. Um, I work with injured runners all the time and, you know, someone who can't run 10 Ks, is because of an injury is really down and um, they've got a lot of despair, but then previously could run, say, pain-free 10Ks and they weren't happy because they wanted to run 20Ks. As soon as they're injured, that new reference point, they, they would give anything. They'd be so happy to run, go back to running pain-free 10Ks, which like it's constantly, they're not living in the moment. They're, they're constantly not appreciating what they currently have and they're constantly like framing their their mind around the things that they don't have rather than the things they do have. Um, I think that's a, unfortunately it's, it's a, especially when it comes to injured runners, like pain is definitely very closely associated with like misery and like despair and a lot of those like um, perpetuating, you know, fears and anxieties, which it's really hard to find an optimistic viewpoint when you are in pain, but it's, it's a skill. It's something that needs to develop. It's something that you need to practice, be grateful of the things that you do have, recognize the things that you do have control over all the, the appreciations that you do have. Um, I think it is a skill. I think it's something that we do really need to practice. And so turning things around and getting back onto the, the optimistic bandwagon, you mentioned, okay, mentally you had this strategy of, um, reframing the situation and saying, okay, I'm, I'm an athlete. I'm not a runner. I'm, I'm an athlete. And so you can be a lot more proactive in things that you can do. And then physically you said that rehab wise, you were shortening your time to start rehab, 
which you found that was really effective. Was there anything else, any other strategies that you implemented that really helped turn things around? I think, I think it's linked a little bit to your last point in that, you know, I think your last point is the second universal truth of this conversation is, is being grateful for what you do have and enjoying the journey and the process. Um, I think that's really important. And, um, you know, a friend of mine once said to me that, um, you know, the, the path to enlightenment is a circular path. And it, it's kind of funny because when I, when I did make a successful, um, go at running, I just really enjoyed training and really enjoyed the process. And, and I would, I really enjoyed going to races and, and just on the start line, I'd be like, Oh, I can't believe I'm here. You know, I mean, I remember the first year where I started to believe I was, I was going somewhere. I, I raced five times. Um, and just racing five times in a summer was like, Oh my God. And, um, so what was funny by the end of the three years when I'd, you know, run faster and faster and all of that, when I finished running, it was because I had gone back. So the circular path, I was trying to run 32, 32 something for 10 K and that had become the focus again. And I'd lost sight of the previous three years, which was a very enjoyment process driven, um, focus. So it's kind of funny how you end up, you know, falling into old traps sometimes. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I was an athlete, so I saw breaks in running as a chance to improve, get stronger, um, you know, add variability to training, develop other components of fitness that would help my running. Um, which meant I was technically never injured then because I was an athlete who, who was always preparing, um, which, which helped. And, uh, yeah, I was just much because of that mindset, I was much better able to cope with bends in the river. I could just do a bit more of something else or, or whatever, modify my, my training. And yeah, I just really enjoyed the, the, the process. And, and I suppose I also made the space for it in that I made sacrifices. I, I went to work but I left on time. I didn't take on a huge number of commitments. So, you know, I could enjoy my dinner. I could, I could get to bed and be relaxed and, and, um, yeah, just, 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 just appreciate that I was on a running journey and that was my main focus. It reminds me of like, um, a chat I just had, um, with Dr. Redigar and he was talking about stress and the accumulation of stress. And he says, if you don't say no, your body will say no for you, meaning that if you take on too much stress, uh, if you take on too many responsibilities, too many commitments, eventually your body is going to be the one that says, you know, enough's enough. And so it's good that you had that that strategy or that um, at least that, that coping strategy to not take on so many responsibilities and recognizing that that's a mistake that you've had in the past. Um, everything that you talk about regarding like reframing yourself as an athlete speaks true of like Carrie Cheadle's work um, in her book Rebound as well, talking about, you know, if you're injured, take that as like an opportunity. Take it as a as a time to set aside your running and work on your weak links. 
um, strengthen up all those weak links, use it as an opportunity to come back stronger, take it as a lesson. Like when you are injured, you know, something's caused that injury. Let's look back and identify it and then learn from it and practice that as a strategy moving forward, which is exactly kind of what you've done with the stress and taking on responsibility side of things. You've, you've sort of learned that and implemented it moving forward. And yeah, everything, both the, the mental side of things, the beliefs, the frame of mind, the physicality, like a lot of those strategies that you've suggested and that you've implemented have ticked a lot of those boxes. And so what have you got back to with after learning a lot of these lessons and like with writing the book and all the, the chapters with all the lessons that go along with it, uh, I guess running wise or like physical achievement wise, what have you managed to rebound to and what have you managed, what's your success to date? So there's, there's one thing uh, to touch on quickly from that last point is, especially for the listeners is, you know, when they hear us talk about, oh, you know, be an athlete and, you know, improve the weak links and all of that. I know, I know a younger version of me would listen to that and go, yeah, right. But, you know, unless I'm, doing X amount of running, it doesn't matter and, and whatever. And just on that point, there was one point in my journey. I mean, I, I only missed, I think, eight weeks of running in three years once I figured it out, right? So I, this didn't happen very often, but there was one point where I was out um, for maybe five weeks and um, no running. And I came back from that period and I equaled my 5K best because i was swimming i was biking and i was developing all those strength capabilities and obviously i had the the bedrock of probably two years of training um behind me so just to show runners like what is actually possible and, and also to say to them i was never running you know my average miles for those three years was 30 miles um you know my the, the, the times I ran for that level of mileage and and my ability, which for, for any hardcore athletics people, you know, when I'm 17, 18, I'm running 920 for 3K, I'm running 416 for 1500 meters. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a naturally talented runner, but a small volume applied consistently made a huge difference. So in terms of what I achieved, well, the first thing I did was I accepted that in, in late 2015 that I was a 36, 40, 10K runner. Um, so accepting where I was, um, I then began to run more often, unstructured, maybe without too much of a plan. Um, the following summer, 2016, I ran 35 minutes, but more importantly, I, I, I participated five times, as I said. And so... That autumn of 2016, I said to myself, okay, I'm onto something here. I'm just going to design a program for eight weeks and I'll prioritize what needs to be done to keep me running. And so when I wrote all of that down, there was kind of like four days of stuff I needed to do just to be able to, to run in my opinion at that time. And I, so I was left with three main days of running and I did that and I ran 34.20 and then in New Zealand in 2017, I was working there for six months and I, I kind of upped myself to four days a week of running, training blocks of about 40 miles a week. And I 
I ran 33.46 for 10k. I ran 78 minutes for a half marathon. Um, other kind of less performance related achievements, but I mean, at one point I was running 20 miles at sub three hour marathon pace um, barefoot around the fields of, of Leeds <laughs> in the UK where I lived at the time. Um, yeah, so so achieved incredible things that were beyond my wildest, you know, expectations. Um, and And nowadays I'm on a slightly different path, I guess. I run a couple of times a week because I enjoy it. Um, when I'm running, you know, probably seven or eight miles, I, I just, I run much slower. I run kind of eight minute mile pace um, and I really breathe it in and enjoy it. Or another day I might do 20 times a minute where I really stretch out my body and, and kind of feel its full force for a minute and then jog a minute and then and then do that. So yeah, um, that's probably in terms of performance, uh, some of the things I achieved along the way, you know. Well done. A big congratulations. A lot of those are really incredible times, incredible um, events. So yeah, well done. Is there, I, I, I think it's very refreshing to hear someone who has had so many injuries and had so many fluctuations of like injuries that might derail a lot of people and lose hope for a lot of people to just implement some strategies and turn things around. Do you still get injured in those moments? Like when you are achieving these sort of things, do little niggles happen? Do any like of your past injuries resurface and you just jump on the forefoot really quickly? Is that, um, or have you managed to stay injury free throughout that time? Um, most of the time I'm injury free. Um, I'm not always pain free, particularly with the Achilles. So learning to understand pain was important. Um, and to me and to understand that pain didn't necessarily mean injury and, you know, big, big amounts of time off. Um, so I learned to manage that particular injury well in that sometimes I might need to remove the, the the running for a day or two but still loaded in the gym or um yeah so I had a new relationship to pain that wasn't panic um but yeah like I, ha I have to say I think I uh, I only missed uh, eight weeks of of running in three years so I wasn't really um I wasn't really experiencing injuries um a pain in my Achilles tendon was probably the the only thing that really accompanied me on that, um, journey. I love that. Um, I'm going to quote you on that one. You, you changed your relationship to pain that wasn't panic. I think a lot of runners can learn from that because, you know, pain signals happen all the time, but we also know how the psychological component of pain is super real and can help. Oh, well, can be quite detrimental for a lot of people. If someone has a little spark in pain, that's not really that threatening and it can be quite mild and can overcome it quite quickly. If you attribute a lot of fear, a lot of panic, a lot of anxiety to that pain, then that heightens the threat and can be quite sensitized and the symptoms themselves can be quite severe and it can be a lot more prolonged just because of the um, attitude and because of the 
the thoughts that you give to it, that you attribute to it. And so it's nice that you talk about that, how you've just changed your relationship to pain. And I think that's a, a really nice lesson that's worth repeating and that listeners are, um, are worth to at least sort of administer in, at some degree. Um, any, I know we've covered a lot of different topics and a lot of different lessons in today's uh, episode, but are there any other final takeaways that you want to discuss? Maybe something in your book, any other chapters, any other real key takeaways that you want runners to, to implement that we haven't discussed already? Um, I might just keep going with the last one uh, in terms of pain. So <clears throat> developing a new relationship with pain is not just kind of deciding that you've got to give yourself experiences which show you that um, pain doesn't own you. And so one of the ways to do that was when, when I was injured a lot and I talked about behaving more cautiously, you, you started to get a fragile image of your body. Whereas I would always, there was a session I always did in the three years and it was, it varied, but it was always like some sort of warm up, then some plyometrics, um, some hill sprints and and even though you can read a lot of literature and stuff that will tell you why that type of training might be useful from a running economy and you know injury prevention perspective physically um, mentally when you're using your body at its maximum you know it's working and that gives you enormous confidence so even when Let's say that morning you've got a little bit of pain somewhere. When you're sprinting up that hill at 100 miles an hour, you know that this body is working. And that, and that really is a huge confidence game changer because then you no longer associate pain with, with malfunction. Um, so what I would say to runners in general is, Running is low on movement variability. Uh, so is your lifestyle, probably. If you, um, I don't know about, you know, I'm, I'm sitting down here at the moment. Um, I'll have to drive to work, uh, which means I'll also be sitting down. Um, so, you know, running and, and modern life lacks variability. So the more ways you can vary your training and, and be an athlete, um, the, the better. I would say give yourself enough headspace to be able to, enjoy it um use your body fully and in lots of different ways um and and yeah try and take a long-term view um which which will help you to avoid uh panicking i guess yeah well said and a good way to to end the the interview. So your book, so running from injury, why runners get injured and how to stop it. Where can people get access to it? Um, how can people yeah, get it in their hands? Um, so the book is on Amazon and any of the blogs and stuff I've written on the subject are on Peter Francis, that blog. All right. So I'll include the Amazon link. I'll include your, your website in the show notes as well. Uh, Peter, thanks very much. It's been very enlightening. A lot of lessons that I hadn't really honed in on a lot um, in the past episodes. So there'll be a lot of fresh new content, fresh new takeaways for, for runners to learn when it comes to injury. So thanks very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Brody. 
And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.